Welcome to Naham Connections Podcast, Voices in Patient Access. Here, patients access professionals and industry experts contribute their voices about popular patient access topics, including career development and leadership, revenue cycle operations, healthcare regulations, and the patient experience. If you like what you hear today, subscribe or leave a review where you listen to podcasts. Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of the Naham Connections podcast. I'm Morgan Mangara, managing editor of Naham's Access Management Journal, Naham Connections, and your podcast host. Over the past few years, patient access has faced many staffing challenges and shortages as an impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Still, patient access is a resilient and powerful profession, and everyone from associates to directors found creative ways to face these obstacles, as we discussed in episode 10. As patient access continues to navigate and recover from the pandemic, I'm sitting down with Yelena Mejia, Evelyn Rosa, and Neha Sarkar to discuss the challenges and best practices of interviewing and hiring in patient access. Yelena, Neha, and Evelyn, welcome to the Naham Connections podcast. Before diving into our conversation, tell our listeners a bit about yourself and your career in patient access. Yelena, would you like to start? Um, sure. Um, my name is Yelena Mahi. I'm a director of access operations at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. Um, I've been at Rush for about three years now. Um, our department oversees the scheduling services for all primary care, diagnostic imaging, and uh, specialty service lines. We also have a physician referral services team and a centralized nurse triage and medication refills team. Um, prior to that, I have um, you know, a, a mix of experience in both uh, ambulatory operations as well as revenue cycle. Thanks, Yelena. And Evelyn, how about you? Hi, my name is Evelyn Rosa. I've been in patient access for New York Presbyterian Well Cornell for 16 years. I started as, as a patient registrar in the emergency department, then transitioned to central and central and med and bed assignment, later promoted to supervisor. Um, 2020, then I was promoted to manager for the D David H. Koch Ambulatory Center and uh, the Alexandra Collins Women and Newborns Hospital. Excellent, thank you. And Neha? Hi, uh, this is Neha Sarkar. I'm manager over training quality and workforce management at Rush University Medical Center Chicago. So Yelena is my colleague. <laughs> um, I officially joined Access Team about two years ago. Uh, prior to that, I have a mixed group of experience. I was in performance improvement, post-acute operations, and even before that, a practicing MD before transitioning to full-time management. Excellent, thank you all for the introductions. So let's get started. Today, we're gonna to be talking about hiring, interviewing, that whole aspect of patient access. So as we all know, the pandemic presented ongoing challenges for healthcare staffing retention. And in your experience, how has the pandemic impacted interviewing and hiring new team members? Yelena, if you'd like to start. Yeah, so um, the pandemic has definitely encouraged us all to think outside of the box. Um, just like most other organizations, we've uh, deployed the majority of our staff to work from home. Um, as a result of this, um, we have also moved our interviewing and hiring process to almost an entirely virtual experience. Um, this has allowed us to expand our candidate pool and diversify our talent. 
Um, it's also encouraged us to think uh, about alternative tech options and uh, to accommodate the remote onboarding and uh, training. Thanks, Yelena. And Evelyn, how about you? What's going on at your facility? We have to be present. So we have we've been, we came up through the pandemic. It was um, that year when the pandemic started, we were also preparing to open the Alexander Cohen Women's and Newborns Hospital. So and when we started the year, we started, you know, interview process and we usually do panel interviews. So we had leadership, we were all leadership involved. So we got to hire before the pandemic actually started. Uh, so we got to meet people in person. Uh, so that was good. But then when they came and they officially came on board, the whole training was a bit different because we weren't operating as you know, as we normally would. Um, so a lot of my team had to, we had to have them assist other areas where needed because the ambulatory center, as you know, was, we weren't operating because everything ambulatory was closed. Um, so that was a, it was a bit, uh, it was different. Um, so they got to train other things, but then when we started going into normalcy, then we, 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 we trained them as best as we could as we slowly started to progress and our volume kept increasing. Uh, we still continued interviewing, but then after it was through Zoom. And as you know, all issues with Zoom, you have connectivity issues. Um, and also, I guess you don't get the vibe of the person when you see them. It's, it's a different dynamic, right? When you see someone in person. But overall, I mean, we've been working on it. It's, it hasn't been bad, actually. We've, we've hired many people or interview them through Zoom now. That's great. So yeah, it sounds like despite, you know, some challenges that were out of all of our control, um, it sounds like your teams found ways to find some success and those kind of silver linings in there. So you've all kind of spoken a bit about um, that interviewing portion, whether that's in person or on Zoom. Um, and the first step in the hiring journey is interviewing. So can you share some advice about what patient access professionals should look for in candidates when they're conducting an interview? And Neha, would you like to start? Sure. Um, I think uh, what I would like to point out to begin with is um, you know, the interview process begins much before a candidate walks into uh, a conference room if you're doing it in person or they log into Zoom if you're doing it virtually, regardless of the method, um, the process starts way before. I mean, I, we feel like there are a lot of pre-work that needs to be done um, in order to successfully interview someone. And although it sounds time-consuming, um, it definitely pays off. So what I mean is, you know, the first step should be reviewing and revising the job description. A lot of times we've not, you know, reviewed and revised job description. It stays the same for years together. However, the job has changed. Um, so we want to make sure that uh, it accurately reflects the roles and the responsibility, clearly defines what we expect from the candidate. And from there on, I think it's important um, to convert that into a list of skills and competencies that will be required to be successful in the role and assigning weight to each of these skill and competencies, grouping them into buckets such as negotiable, non-negotiable, can or cannot be taught on the job, 
So these are things that help us um, when we have the candidate in front of us and um, kind of leaning over to see if they meet the requirements. After that, I think it's important um, that we design the interview structure um, that will help assess the candidates in a standard, fair, and consistent manner. What we mean is that the interview process should be customized to ensure it assesses the candidate on the before mentioned skills and competencies needed for the position. And then not to forget that we should be informing the candidates about um, the interview format so that they can come prepared. Um, and then lastly, uh, conducting the interview in a consistent manner using the designed interview structure, uh, providing a score to each of the candidates on each of the competencies um, and remembering that the skills can be acquired by combination of qualification and experience. So I feel like um, this is the overall uh, standard structured method that we have been using uh, for a few months now, uh, which we have found to be very successful. Evelyn, what has your experience been like uh, when conducting interviews? So we, we do panel interviews, like I stated before. It's usually two managers one of the supervisors, um, we use, we, when we're reviewing the resume, we look for customer service. We're, we're very keen on customer service. Uh, that's important. Uh, that's number one. We do look for some college. We want people with some level of maturity as well. Um, the way they carry themselves in the interview, they're, uh, and the way they speak, right? It's important because they're, they're gonna be from facing uh, and, you know, how's their eye contact? You know, little things like that we look for. We, we see how, how their rapport is with us at that point. But uh, we, we, we use our Instagram for an amazing tool, um, which has helped us all throughout to hire so many candidates, especially when opening the ambulatory center and the women's hospital. Um, and on that, I know that that's one of your questions. So I'll delve in more when you go into that question. Excellent, thanks, Evelyn. That's all uh, great advice, great things to keep in mind. Um, so, you know, we just talked a little bit about what patient access should look for when interviewing. Um, can you each share a little more about what advice you would have for a potential candidate um, as they interview for positions, whether they are coming in as an entry level associate or interviewing for manager director level positions? What would you tell them if you were able to uh, give them a hint beforehand? And always have your resume up to date. Many times we, we start interviewing and we ask them questions based on what we see and they're like, oh no, that I've, you know, I don't work there anymore or something's changed. So I think before you actually submit it, it's important that you review it. Not only review it, but have a couple of people just look over it. Cause sometimes, you know, we might miss something and somebody else might catch it. I think that's also important. Um, and also be prepared. Uh, you're also interviewing us as well, right? So come prepared, practice questions. You can always go online and search some questions, which are general that people usually tend to ask, right? Uh, practice. And also come prepared with questions that 
because it, it shows that you're proactive. Come prepare with questions for the interviewer as well. I think that helps. That's great advice and especially a great reminder that the interview is going both ways between the candidate and uh, the hiring team. So thanks for sharing that, Evelyn. Neha and Yelena, what would you have to add to that question? So just in line with what Evelyn's saying about preparation, um, you know, just to further develop on that, I would say, yeah, can make sure to research the position that you're interviewing for. Um, make sure to specifically speak to those skills that are highlighted in the job description. Uh, if there's some areas that, you know, you do not have experience with, be honest and transparent. Um, and also be prepared to ask those probing, probing questions like Evelyn mentioned. Um, you want to make sure to use that time for yourself as well to assess if, if this is a good fit. That time is not solely meant for the employer, it's also meant for you. Um, and then I think one other big thing I would suggest is to not, you know, use that time to speak negatively of prior um, uh, working experiences. A better approach to that would be to speak to what you learned from those experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, the only thing I would add to what both Evelyn and Yelena mentioned um, is also be prepared to express why uh, you are passionate about joining Axis and uh, not just come off as uh, using Axis as a stepping stone uh, to quickly wanting to transfer to another department. Um, so I think that's important. Um, and I think uh, we all know healthcare is constantly changing. So be able to uh, demonstrate uh, either via your resume or your stories, uh, how you can quickly adapt to frequent changes, demonstrate flexibility. Um, and last, but most importantly, I think um, people forget about the behavioral-based interview. Um, that's very popular these days. Um, and what the interviewer wants to hear is your response in a form of story. Um, and story that is well structured that has all of the important components such as describe the situation, describe the task um, they had to complete, the actions the candidate took, uh, and the results and outcome. Um, and there are many techniques out there. You know, it can be easily Google, YouTube, um, and they're called by different names such as star technique. Uh, but these simple preparations can really um, help uh, the candidates uh, do well in the interview. That's great advice. I'm hearing, you know, a lot of do your research, make sure your documents are up to date, uh, show your passion and tell a story. Um, I love that framework. Looking to grow your skill set and stature within patient access profession? Consider Naham's Certified Healthcare Access Associate or Certified Healthcare Access Manager, the only patient access certifications that meet NCCA standards. Showcase your knowledge, problem-solving abilities, and dedication to your career by becoming NAHAM certified. Visit certification.naham.org to learn more. So moving on, I'd love to hear from each of you. What is your best kept secret when it comes to interviewing? And do you have a favorite question that you like to ask each candidate? Yeah, so I think <laughs> one of the things that I love to do, and kind of Evelyn alluded to that before, um, so panel interview, right? Uh, I always try to interview with another interviewer in the room. And the reason being, it gives me the opportunity to observe the candidate, 
uh, interacting with another interviewer and assess things that I might have missed when I'm busy conversing with the candidate myself. So it allows me that quiet time to sit back and just observe the interaction. Um, the other thing is uh, I like to ask the candidates to come prepared um, to either do a short presentation on a topic of their choice or provide um, a, a case to solve. It could be a scheduling error where we ask them to um, solve for the root cause. Basically, any task that is relevant to their job description. So if they're going to be a trainer, uh, can they come prepared with a presentation? Um, so it serves two purposes. It gives the candidate insight into what their day-to-day -day might look like. And to the interviewer, it shows if the candidate is willing and passionate enough to put in the hard work to prep for the interview. I don't expect perfection at this point, uh, but what I want to see is they have what it will take to learn and be successful in the job, that you know they can take up a challenge and not shy away from this. Um, so I think those are the things, uh, like some of my uh, favorite things uh, while I'm interviewing. Um, as far as a uh, question uh, that I tend to always or uh, ask um, would be a behavioral-based question, uh, which assesses coping skills. Um, so like describe a time when you received feedback about your performance that was not positive. And what did you do? Um, so things like that. Are really great resources to have in your toolbox. Thanks, Neha. Evelyn, what's your best kept secret? So, like I mentioned before, we use the amazing tool, interviewing for amazing tool. Um, it guides to ensure interviews focus on the job and you know that we're asking the correct questions and uh, legally acceptable questions. Um, it captures the uh, data on the candidates entire profile, experience, knowledge, competencies, motivations. Uh, one of my favorite questions out of that, that tool is, describe a time when you and your team exceeded the expectations of a patient or a customer, and describe a time where you didn't exceed uh, the expectations of a customer or a patient. It's, it, I like to hear the stories because I like to know how the person handled themselves in either situation what was their problem solving skill on the matter? Uh, I think that's important because as you know, uh, you get different types of patients. How do you handle yourself with different types of patients? Because not everyone's going to have the same reaction towards a situation. Um, so it's interesting to see what they say like to that question. I love to hear their stories. Um, and like I said, and Neha said, we use we use the panel interviews, which I think it's great because you know, you're interviewing, somebody else might ask a question that you didn't think of, or they catch something the person said, and they can delve in more into that. Cause you know, you're writing, you're taking notes, and maybe some, some they can that other person or persons can do a follow-up question to whatever it is, or think of a question that you didn't. Um, like for instance, the supervisor I have, uh, she's usually in all our interviews. She she looked up a question that it's it's it makes it a little bit informal. I guess it it, it sheds off the the nerves of the candidate. Like tell us something about yourself that's not on your resume. So it it kind of like levels it out, and the person's not like so nervous. It just it um it I guess puts them a little bit of ease and know that we also care for them as a person. 
Excellent. And I love this theme that I'm hearing throughout, you know, this whole interview is the storytelling is part is so such a big part of this. Yelena, do you have anything to add from Rush or did Neha cover it? She covered most of it. I will say we do have a consistent um, interview question that I've adapted since I've joined the access team at Rush. Um, it was a question I received during my interview as well. And um, that question is, if you were a cake, what type of cake would you be and why? Um, you can ask it at any time of the interview. You ask at the beginning and it doesn't matter. It breaks the ice um, and there's no right or wrong answer. But most of the time you'll find that you get to know the candidate a lot better. Um, the other thing is that it's a great way. Um, I'll say like two years down the line, uh, people are still kind of referencing other people's responses that have joined our team from um, from their response to the interview question. Well, Yelena, now that you say that, I have to ask and do a quick lightning round with the three of you. If you were a cake, which cake would you be? <laughs> Dan, do you want to start? <laughs> it's hot, it's hot, oh my God. Um, I've never answered this question before. If you guys are putting me on the spot, I think I would pick uh, trash lettuce. Um, you know, like it's yummy. It's uh, it's just the perfect consistency that I like. Um, yeah, I, I think that's what I that's what I would go for. <laughs> I have to know, Evelyn. Even if we don't use this, what cake would you be? <laughs> I think. I think I'll I'll be chocolate cake because I love chocolate and I feel like it has some sort of comfort. Love that. So yes. like Great answer. <laughs> well, thank you for that fun ad. Um, I'll remember the cake question for future podcast interviews. <laughs> exactly. Like what you hear on Naham Connections podcast? Visit naham.org slash Naham Connections to catch up with the latest patient access content and insights from patient access professionals and industry experts interviewing comes the hiring and then the onboarding process. So can you walk us through the onboarding journey of a new hire at your facility? And Neha, would you like to start there? Sure. Actually, um, we're going to walk you through uh, what's coming soon in uh, Rush Access Center, a new and revamped onboarding process that's due to begin uh, September of this year. Um, so compared to previous hybrid model that we had uh, our new model will allow for 100% virtual training environment. Um, training will be completely centralized, inclusive of training on epic scheduling registrations, insurance concepts, customer service skills, um, specialty guidelines, anything and everything a candidate needs from beginning to end. Um, and this is a huge change compared to the fragmented system we had before where agents were constantly handed off from one group to another. Um, so this new process will allow new hires to be paired uh, with consistent group of mentors for one-on-one -on -one training instead of having to pair them with whoever is available. Um, so essentially, new hires will be with uh, training and quality team for the first five to six weeks um, and will be released to the floor only when they are ready to take calls independently. Uh, we believe this new centralized standard consistent onboarding process will go a long way in improving new hires experience, um, reduce turnovers, uh, reduce errors, and relieve the training burden on the operations team who can then focus on the ongoing needs of existing agents. 
That's great. Thanks for that preview into your new process. And Evelyn, what does your onboarding journey look like? So our onboarding journey, we we uh, request all the access for them, uh, schedule for their EPIC training, preferably before they actually come in, if possible. If not, we just have them, you know, train with some experienced uh, colleagues and then go for their EPIC uh, trainings and then continue, rotate them. Like for example, for us, the ambassadors uh, that I have, patient ambassadors here in, at the DHK Coke Center, we have them train in the lobby and the different floors. Like, so we give them two weeks in the lobby and each week on a floor. Um, and when they're on the labor and delivery side of the building, we give them two weeks uh, just so they can get more familiar and we put them to train with experienced uh, other ambassadors as well. Then later on, we have them uh, trained in other areas once they've acclimated in their ambassador role. But we also do the one-to-one. -one. I generally meet with them one-to-one -one first to explain everything, the expectations, now that they've officially started, uh, go over, you know, call-out process, uh, vacations, uh, and then give them also tour of the building and to the other staff and leadership team. Excellent, thank you for sharing that journey. So on that note, can you each share one onboarding best practice that you'd recommend to the greater patient access community? Yelena, would you like to start? Sure, um, the biggest suggestion uh, that we have is to create an onboarding plan and a schedule. I don't think that we can stress that enough. Uh, one of the biggest points of frustration that we hear about uh, from our staff is um, around inconsistencies in training and onboarding from one area to the next, and even from one leader to the next. Um, this was one of the biggest drivers that uh, for our revamp. Um, I'd also suggest that making sure that all of the tools and um, resources that you provide are functioning and clean and updated um, it helps to set the expectations up front and improve job satisfaction and performance. Great, thank you. And Evelyn, what would you recommend? I agree with Elena. Having that it, to be clear and having them know where they're going next. Uh, nobody likes to feel lost, right? Um, you need some type of guidance. And if you let them know, so these, this is what you're doing this is where you're going, it kind of also prepares them um, on a week to week or however you've scheduled their training. Um, that helps a lot because nobody likes to feel lost. Uh, we do the same. We, we give them their on their schedule. They know where are you every week and with who you, who you're training with. Uh, so that way, you know, it gives them some type of, uh, you know, everyone's nervous and nobody wants to make a mistake, but at least they know that they have support. And I always reassure them, like, you're training, take your time. Don't try to rush it, absorb it, ask questions. Uh, I also tell them if you're confused about something, we have an open door policy. If you're confused about something in clarification, please just come see us. Cause you know, they hear different versions from different people, different perspectives. Uh, so sometimes that rattles them up and like, oh my God, so I always tell them, 
you know, just come. We'll go over any questions that you have. We also, after we've done all code training, we also re meet with them again. How do you feel? Do you feel like you need more time in a specific area? Do you feel like you need another uh, another week before officially like going working independently? So I think that's important so that they feel the support. That's great advice. And you know what I'm hearing from this as well from all of you is you know not only are you looking out for these new hires professionally, but that you're you know, making sure to stay in touch with them personally as well. So as we know from this episode, our audience loves stories. So can you share a favorite interview or hiring success story that you've experienced? Neha, would you like to jump in there? Sure. Actually, Irina and I uh, share the same story. Um, so back in Feb, um, you know, we uh, used the before mentioned interviewing technique for the first time. Uh, for filling multiple positions we had opened at that time. So we had access trainer, we had quality assurance coordinator, supervisor role, all of them open. Um, and so we, uh, like Elena, myself, and a few other colleagues, we were doing panel interviews um, and we interviewed uh, close to like 15 candidates. Uh, and a lot of them had applied for multiple positions. Um, so instead of having them go through interview with us one by one, we just interviewed them all uh, at the same time for all the positions. And we had one particular candidate who applied for all three. She interviewed very well and she met the qualification and requirements for all of them. And she would have been a great fit for all of them. And we all wanted her <laughs> to join each one of us. The ball was essentially in her court to pick the position she liked, right? So, we'd, um, so in addition to the questions, we had asked her to prepare a presentation for the trainer role because it requires public speaking. And for the QA role, we had asked um, the candidate to investigate root cause of a scheduling error and to perform a QA audit. Now, based on how much she enjoyed the task related to QA role, she picked QA coordinator position or others. And trust me, all of us, like all the interviewers, they were ready to you know, sell other positions and they advocate for other positions. Um, however, she stayed firm. She said she enjoyed the task she had completed for the QA role so much that she was confident and convinced that this is what she wanted to do. Um, so I think uh, this was a really like a success story of using the interview format that we explained earlier. The process was great both to find the right fit for the role and for the candidate to find the right fit for themselves. Absolutely, that's a great story. Thanks, Neha. Evelyn, what success story do you have in mind? Um, I have a couple of people that they had a great interview, it was a great dynamic, uh, and they they really showed off when they got here. They, I have two that, I, that particularly in mind, two people that they their interview was amazing and their work ethic is amazing i had one person actually uh she worked for me as uh as a casual as a per diem uh registrar in labor and delivery um and for personal reasons she had so she had to leave uh, but I, I, I try to work with her to see because she was a person that was very dynamic, very proactive, she was fast learner. Uh, 
and she uh, problem solving skills were, were amazing. Uh, so we were sad to see her go, but I did. I said, if if you know if if and if you're able to come back, you know we, you know we'll welcome you. And she did. She came back. She came back. Then we interviewed her for an ambassador role, which is um, a higher level here for us. And she was great. She also assisted with training other people in registration. Uh, so she was awesome. Unfortunately, she had to leave, you know, for growth purposes, but she was a great asset to, to the department. That's excellent. Thank you so much for sharing those stories. So finally, as we wrap up, um, reflecting on episode 10 of the podcast, where we discuss navigating burnout and staffing shortages in patient access, our guests shared some creative retention practices, ranging from introducing nap pods and food banks for staff to leading with empathy. So in your perspectives, what lasting or new practices are in play now to encourage retention in your organization? And Yelena, would you like to start? Um, we have a few ongoing efforts. Uh, most recently, we've established an employee engagement committee supported fully by our frontline support staff rather than our leaders. Um, we've also created an employee of the month program with a tiered payout structure for performance. Um, we've created and further developed our, um, actually I should say, our um, opportunities for growth or career ladder within the Access Center. The only thing that I would add to what Yelena already mentioned for Raj, um, we've created actually uh, uh, over the last few months um, many new position growth positions uh, for our agents, and um, you know we uh, made sure we communicated to the group that um, you may not have hundred percent of the skills and competencies, and that's fine. We want to provide on the job training. Um, to grow into these newly created promotional opportunities such that they don't have to leave our department or organization to look for growth elsewhere. We want them to grow with us. Um, and also, uh, we've tried to convert as many as possible positions um, into work from home positions because that is what um, you know people uh, are looking for, like post-pandemic, they want to continue to work from home. Um, so yeah. Thank you. And Evelyn, what do you have to add? So for us in New Presbyterian, uh, they've really amplified the COPE program. You know, a lot of people went through depression during COVID. Uh, so I think that was amazing. Um, I had a few people that went through it and they were so grateful that, you know, we stood by them, gave them the tools, the resources to have someone to speak to because not only going through COVID, but whatever personal issues um, they had. Um, we've also amplified the NYP Be Healthy. Uh, so we have coaches going around for Be Healthy, how to be more active, uh, how to eat better. Uh, that's also helps. Uh, they've also done food trucks uh, now to cover all shifts. So then all shifts can get to, to um, enjoy all the food trucks, right? Because it's a 24 seven operation, right? So that way they get to enjoy. Uh, those I think are some of the perks that, that, that have been a real highlight for us. 
Excellent. Those definitely sound like great ways that you are looking out for your colleagues and your staff teams. Thank you all for sharing. So Yelena, Neha, and Evelyn, thank you so much for joining us today to discuss best practices in hiring and interviewing and favorite cake uh, for patient access. The conversation continues on Nahum Connections. For more content specific to career development and leadership, visit naham.org slash nahamconnections. That's n-a-h-a-m dot org slash n-a-h-a-m connections. Plus, members can access a library of on-demand education featuring a breadth of trending topics. Visit naham.org slash webinars on demand to start learning. Not a member, but interested in taking advantage of these valuable resources? Join Naham to arm yourself with community knowledge and resources as you face obstacles in your daily work. Naham offers the year-round education and knowledge you need to help navigate the unexpected. Visit naham.org slash Naham membership to become a member. That's naham.org slash Naham membership to become a member. Thank you to everyone listening today. Until next time.